Hey, everybody. What you're listening to is a free preview from our Valentine's Day special over on Patreon. We did something a bit different this year. We recorded an episode for people who like Valentine's Day and an episode for people who don't. We wanted to cover both of the bases. So we wanted to give you a little sample of what you could expect over on Patreon. Both of these episodes are available at our $5 level. If you sign up at the $5 level, that unlocks every single episode we have over there. So go and check that out. We hope you enjoy this free preview of our Valentine's Day episodes. And if you like what you hear and want to hear more, head on over to patreon.com slash talkingbackpodcast and sign up to be a patron. Later that afternoon, Homer, he's at home, and he's bored, Dean. Marge is sitting by the window, nervously smoking, which is good. (laughs) Homer goes out for some fresh air, and he smells chilly in the air. Oh, no. And he starts freaking out that he's missing the annual chili cook-off. Now, Marge was keeping this from him for a very good reason, and it's because Homer always gets too drunk at the chili cook-off. Yeah. She doesn't want him to go this year. I mean... No, I like (laughs) that. Take last year, for example, when Homer jumped into the cotton candy machine and called himself a puffy pink cloud and then had dogs lick it off of him. (laughs) That's pretty drunk. It's a bad scene. It's a bad scene. He made a bad call. Yeah, I, I, I do not blame Marge for trying to hide it from him this year so that he could not uh, get himself into this situation again. Yeah, great line from Homer here where he says, yeah, well, everything looks bad if you remember it. <laughs> I loved it. That was a such laugh a, out loud moment, like oh, where I just totally. couldn't help myself. <laughs> it's, it's such an innocent Homer, Homer comment. That's just so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if you remember it, it's bad. Every He says everything. Everything, everything looks bad. bad if you remember it. <laughs> everything. Uh, oh, the life of Homer. That guy, the life of Homer. That guy messes up a lot. Wow. Yeah. So Marge makes a deal with Homer. She says he can go as long as he doesn't drink any beer. So Homer heads to the chili alley and they show us some of the vendors. The scientist Professor Frank or Jonathan IQ Nerdlebaum Frank Jr. As his full name wow. is. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Tim. I had to bring that one to everybody. Thank what you. What a great name. Yes. I love his chili tasting. He's got a VR yep. device set up where he's serving virtual chili. Great. <laughs> love so, it. It's so good. Amazing. <laughs> they only cut to him for a fraction of a second. Yeah. I had to rewind to see what was going on. And yeah. it's virtual chili. So funny. Great. Now, Otto... He sees Homer and says, the dude with the fireproof stomach is here. Mm. And Homer walks over to Ned's booth for five alarm chili. Ned and his two boys are wearing fireman hats with the number five on them. Just great. (laughs) They are digging into this. It's so great. Homer takes a sample, but he doesn't taste five alarm, Dean. And then Ned breaks down and admits it's only two alarm. Yeah. And he's a fraud. 
He just wanted to be a big man in front of his kids. <laughs> I couldn't even get through it. It's so good. It's so stupid. It's so funny. It's so fucking he just stupid. Wants, he just wants to be a big man in front of his kids and make five and make alarm, five alarm chili. chili. Yeah, he's got them all hats with five on it. Uh, yeah, one of I love. I love. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Uh, one of his kids, nearly in tears, asks if he's going to jail, and Ned says, "We'll see, son. We'll see." Yes, that's the best. He thinks he might go I'm to jail. Are you going to jail? He's such a fraud. We'll see. <laughs> he lied about five alarm chili. He thinks he might go to jail now. He might go to jail. They'll have to see. It's it. There's a chance. Oh man! And his delivery is so great. Yeah. Just like like. It's great. He delivered it like he actually thinks he might go to jail. He doesn't know. Oh, yeah. He can't say for sure one way or the other because he needs to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Yes, he might go to jail. It was worth it. It was worth it to try to look like a big man in front of your kids. Yeah, but now, like, it's all backfired. Now now you look like the tiniest man ever. Yeah. He didn't know Homer was showing up. He didn't know he was going to get called out. Uh, Great. It would have been a way better call just to go for the two alarm chili and just say that's what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, just do this it. This is this is who yeah. I am. This is what I can do. Kids, we're two. We're doing two alarm. We're chili. two alarm family. Chain, uh, flip that hat. Flip that five upside down. There you go. We're yeah. a two. <laughs> Done. Now Chief Wiggum is ready for Homer this year. He's added the merciless peppers of Quetzal, Saka, Tanango. That sounds interesting. Hot? It sounds hot? Are those real? <laughs> it sounds <laughs> sounds like an authentic pepper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Homer pulls one out. He doesn't care. The pepper no. is glowing. He touches it to his tongue, and you can hear his tongue sizzling. Yeah. Homer freaks out, runs over to the beer tent, and drinks six beer at once. And Marge, who's over... Well, he doesn't... He doesn't really drink them. He dumps them on his head. Yeah, I mean, but like half of them go down his throat. His his whole head is like turned because Marge looks. Marge is uh, gets his attention, so he turns his head and he like dumps them all on his face. He, well, he picks up six at a time. He pours them into his yeah, mouth. Yeah, so maybe he gets. Some. They're going on his face. They're going in his mouth. It's okay. it's. He doesn't okay. like drink one at a time. Six. He just picks yeah. up six and pours it on his face with his mouth open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but Marge, uh, she was over at the square dance in Corral trying to convince people Homer won't be drinking this year. And then right. she looks over and sees him chugging that beer and is of course, very disappointed. Very disappointed. Not only, not only Tim, is he, uh, breaking his promise? He's got six in his hand at once. Yeah. Six. Six. He does. He's not just like having pictures. <laughs> They're giant pints. He's just like, she looks over after trying to convince people he's not going to be drinking and he's pouring six down his face at one time. That is just unfortunate timing. That's bad timing.
The movie, Dean, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but this movie went through production hell. Oh, no. Yeah. It had... Who opened the box? <laughs> uh, Who opened the puzzle box Clive on set? Clive Barker. <laughs> the movie had been in the works all the way back in 2006 when Clive Barker announced he'd be writing a remake of Hellraiser. Then, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Then through the years, it passed to eight different writer-director teams before landing with Bruckner and Goyer in 2020. Wow. So we don't need to get into the details, but that's a big mess of this movie just being bumped around every year or two to a different group of people who are like, we'll take on this movie. No, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> just over and over again. Great. <laughs> Yeah. And the final thing to note before we uh, dig into the story, this reboot completed the circle of golden age slashers of the 70s and 80s being rebooted. Okay. With the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Child's Play all having been rebooted before this. Okay. I was thinking about that when I when I was watching this. I was like, 2022 seems like it seems like such a long time to just be like, let's boot up Hellraiser. <laughs> let's reboot Hellraiser. It's like it's like they saw all the other ones happen, and then they're like, I guess we'll do it. I guess we might as well do it. So it makes sense that it was like around 2006 when kind of like all this stuff was happening anyways. All these reboots were happening, and uh, that's when they thought of the idea. That's when they thought of it, and then yeah. what, what pulled it across the finish line was the action with Halloween. Uh, getting rebooted yeah, and, sure. and being successful so they're like you know what there's a spot for this we we can do this yeah i mean they're doing it yeah they're going to be doing it with other things too now like exorcist is going to get something uh something happening so i think that halloween really i think that halloween really uh jump-started a bunch of ideas in people's reboot minds yeah i have a problem with them rebooting exorcist i think there's some movies you just got to leave them alone Man, you got to leave yeah. The Exorcist alone. Um, I was actually thinking about this recently because of this exact reboot. I was thinking, what is it about Jaws that hasn't that it hasn't been rebooted? And that one, I think you can't reboot that movie. Nobody wants no, to put can't. their hands on it because it was too good. Yeah. And yeah. there's no possible way that it would it would get any better or even close. So what I think's happened instead of Jaws being rebooted is you get all these shark movies that come out. Yeah. And they don't have to say that they're rebooting Jaws, but they can still do the movie with the killer shark. But Exactly. Like yeah. good luck rebooting Jaws. Like good luck with that. Um yeah. another one like Big Trouble in Little China, please just don't reboot that. Throw your ideas of rebooting that away. It's not going to work. So circling back to the Exorcist. I don't know, man. I just, I don't think that one's going to work. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, just depends. Just depends what they do. You know, it, it really depends on a story. You kind of have to really have it nailed down for something to work. So we'll see. Apparently it's supposed to be like, it might be, I don't know if it's supposed to be a trilogy or what, but it's David Gordon Green. It's the guy who did Halloween. So they got excited and they got him on board. So we'll, we'll see. I'm not like. I don't get too too pumped for stuff like that. I just watch it when it comes out and see if it's any good. I guess another thing to consider is how many reboots have actually been good. That's a very small number. Yeah. Um, of those ones that you named, like all the big 
all the big uh, 70s and 80s franchises? Not many. Not many of the reboots have been good. No. The Evil Dead reboot was okay. That was, that was a bit surprising. I haven't surprising. actually seen that yet. That yeah, one. I really I mean, want to see that. I heard it's great. Out of all of them, I, I would might say that one is yeah. the best. This one I thought was actually very good. Hellraiser this was, one's good. was quite good. Yeah. I like Halloween a lot. Um, the most recent one. Uh, Nightmare is awful. I don't know if you've seen Nightmare, no, Tim. No, it no, is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and it's then, really bad. They actually like really mess the story up. It's like oh, one of those things where oh, no. they change it a little bit to be kind of like different, but it's like they totally, totally stomp on it. Yeah. So we start off our movie. We're in Belgrade, Serbia, which is actually where the movie was filmed, the entirety of the movie. Oh, cool. Okay. Wow. Yeah. A woman gives a man a suitcase of money for a case with the box inside. And that was cool because that's how Hellraiser 1 started. Yep. Now we cut to a party in a very fancy house of a Mr. Voigt. He is an avid art collector and lover of the occult. We see the box on a pedestal. And while it initially looks like the square box we're used to seeing, the camera sort of comes around the side to reveal that it's in a different configuration. It's very elongated now. Mm-hmm. That was neat. Very cool. A guy comes in the room. He starts playing with it. Then Voight comes out to, to tell him it's a puzzle. The only one of its kind, and it's almost done. Then as the guy's playing with it, a blade shoots out of the box, cutting him. He tries to run away, but Voight locks down the room. The doors like lock with bars. Then a chain shoots out and cuts into the guy's knee. Then more come out, cutting into his body. And he's raised into the air with these hooks. Voight looks up into the sky, which is now starting to light up. And he says, I'm a penitent of the Leviathan. Grant me this audience. Grant me this boon. And that's our intro. So, Dean, what did you think of this intro? Great intro. Um, I got uh, I got pretty pumped up about it. I liked the, the showing the box sort of on the pedestal and then uh, just panning to the side and seeing that it's a little bit different. So it's like a little bit more of a intricate puzzle box. Um, you know, it's got this phase in it that's like really long. Um, so I liked that. I love like puzzly stuff like that. So I liked that they were kind of enhancing that, enhancing the box that was kind of cool in the first place. So that was big for me. Um, then kind of it just like screwing with a guy right away. You know, I, I guess like um, having this Voight being the one who's just kind of like setting people up and watching him like play with it and telling him to keep going to get himself cut. I liked it. I liked the the menace there. Um, the one thing I was like, I guess uh, looking for here, but like doesn't happen is just like the uh, kind of like the effects, you know, like the the really gross effects that were happening in the first one. And I was like, well, I, after the start, I was like, it's okay. Because that's the open. You know, it's the opening scene. We didn't see a lot. Maybe that's because it's the opening scene. Maybe we'll see a lot later because that is something that I really liked about the first. It's just how gooey and gross and, you know, disgusting things are. Um, so I was I was thinking it might not happen in this movie after this scene. But uh, I kind of talked myself into, you know, maybe they're not giving it all away in the open. Right. Yeah. So now we cut to six years later, 
and we meet the main characters in the movie. There's Riley and Trevor, as we've mentioned before. Um, we immediately start off with them having sex, which uh, totally fine because that was kind of like a theme in the original, like this. Um, For sure. Yeah. Like sex and pleasure. It was definitely a theme, even though in the first one, there was less than I remembered in my head. In, in my head as a kid, I remembered like way more than I, there was. And I okay, rewatching yeah. it, I thought, oh, there's going to be so much of, of like nudity and sex in there. There really wasn't. Um, yeah. But they throw that in there. So I'm, I'm totally good with that. And we meet Riley's brother, Matt. We, we meet his boyfriend, Colin, and their roommate, Nora. Now, Trevor tells Riley about a possible score he knows of because she's kind of like coming out of rehab, out of addiction. She doesn't really have a job. She's looking for money, and he's got this idea. Um, he knows of this warehouse. There is some sort of like safe there. Nobody ever goes there. And he thinks that they could break in and that something valuable is in that safe. So they decide to go through with the theft. They break into that safe in the building. And what do you know? They find the box, which is now back to its traditional square form. So Riley decides that she's going to hold on to it until they can figure out like a buyer or or what its value mm -hmm. is yeah. worth. Yeah. I really like Riley's character because of her depth, like because of this storyline that she's a recovering addict, um, we see her come home drunk uh, and her brother, Matt, like ends up throwing her out because he's yeah. like mad at her for, for having a relapse. And we see her out in her car. She pulls out a bottle of pills and she pours them out on the ground, you know, yeah. which was a really nice moment. She's like, yeah, yeah. She had a relapse with drinking, but she pours her pills out. She doesn't really want to go back to that. Yeah. But then we see her pick them up off the ground and they're, they're filthy now. They've been in like a puddle. She picks them up and eats them anyways. And she just can't help herself, you know? Uh, it just really helped to paint this picture of a broken person. And I thought that depth of character made for a much more interesting and uh, complex story with her character. Totally. Yeah, This the whole story of this movie is sort of like on her back and she like carries it and it's because they have such a good setup here that it really works. And we're really just in, we want her to succeed the entire movie because of this, because of this, this buildup, like even with her drinking, um, like her brother doesn't like her new boyfriend because he seems like maybe he's, maybe he also drinks. And so he, she, he doesn't want her around that, that new boyfriend. And she's just like, well, I gotta, like, I need something. I gotta have, like, you're just going to say, I can't have any fun at all. But then it is him. It is him that gets her back drinking because they go to steal this, you know, steal this box and they take a drink in the car. So you're you're like, ah, no, like she she does want to, you know, do better, but she still has these fallbacks. And it's that exact thing with the pill. You cheer when she pours them on the ground. You're like, yes, good job. Good job pouring those pills on the ground. And then she goes down to pick up a few and put them in her mouth. Um, it's just that struggle. It's there. You know, it feels real. It feels yeah, like it's, it's not real. as easy as just dumping it on the ground because they're still there. You know, the cinematic thing to do is to dump them on the ground. But the real thing is that they're still right there. And she still feels weak and picked one up or picked a couple up and put them in her mouth. 